Okay, so early on in Camus' myth of Sisyphus, he mentions uh, the worm of it is inside of you, but the French, ver, means worm, but uh, relates back to the Latin, but just plain and simple, it sounds like, you know, your direction, your telos, ver. It's, uh, it's a glass container, uh, but it's also the direction, right? Uh, in which way, which way are you going? Verou, uh, t'en va, right? <clears throat> then later, he mentions itu. Um, so instead of, uh, it, it's pronounced more in the, the Latin, um, because uh, etu means and you, which is what the sentence says, but uh, e, uh, itu, uh, is French. Etu is Latin, right? Etu uh, Brutus. But more importantly, etu uh, also means and all, like entirety, right? So Camus, even though most of the translations are very, very lucid, because there seems to be a lot more scholarship in French in the West than, say, you know, High German. Um, the translations are pretty good, but it's little things like that, especially when he uh, regularly mentions his love for Nietzsche. Uh, what else? Oh, the importance of sophistry. Sophistry. Uh, sophistry is my superpower. Why? Because it allows me to not only uh, understand uh, my... Uh, say opponent's argument and I gotta warn you um, I got in crap yesterday for exactly that we we're having a discussion about some of this philosophy and one gentleman chimed in and said wait a minute you were just talking about how people don't listen because they don't want their ideas and their opinions challenged and yet you know you don't even give your opponent a moment uh, after they speak for you to, you know, understand their opinion. Now, this is an international uh, get-together, and the gentleman uh, was German. Uh, so, well, I think he might have been Scandinavian, now that I think of it, I might be thinking somebody else. But uh, I just explained that he's you know, a little behind us, a few seconds behind, because I explained, I speak one language myself. I, I wouldn't dare debate in, uh, in a second language. I think a big thing that's being missed here, when we look at uh, how people consume their news, I liken it to McLuhan when he talked about uh, reading a newspaper being like getting into a warm bath. Well, people used to read a newspaper and, and, you know, you got into it and you're reading the articles and you're in a little ecosystem separate from reality. But people today just get their news passively versus actively once a day. So I think we're missing that 20% of people consume 80% of the news in metrics. So I think if they scare away uh, with these news uh, agendas or... Or, uh, well, just abhorrent hosts. They're scaring away, you know, a 
big chunk of their audience because what they think is maybe a thousand people is maybe 10 or 100 people that's giving them all of these metrics. So you you upset one person, you lose a thousand views. You don't just lose one. right? And it's hard to get back because it's not like you have a pool of a hundred people. It's a pool of a hundred people, sure, but 80 plus percent of them want nothing to do with your news, period. Nothing that you could offer them would interest them. So now you have 81, 82, 83, 84 of those hundred that want nothing to do with what you have to offer, ever, at all, period. So this diminishing pool of resources and interest with a diminishing pool of content of interest. So I'm just walking past a lawn that was heavily aerated. And so they'd pulled out all these little plugs of, of soil. And the soil is beautiful, very dense, loamy, clay-type soil. But then it hit me. Why aren't, they, why aren't they spreading that soil back on the lawn or keeping it? Because if you think about it, like half of the plugs got on the sidewalk and in the street so it's just going to be washed away so over a period of 10 or even 20 years how much soil erosion is your lawn going to see because you have chosen to aerate it and just lay nilly so here's the idea simply invent an aerator that pulls the plugs breaks them up and spreads them like a mulcher for a lawnmower and if such a thing doesn't exist, well, start selling them and uh, start guilting people, uh, both environmentally and clogging sewers. But most importantly, like, do you want a beautiful lawn? Or do you want, like, gross? In a world that defines everything by label, the true rebel is them that are unclassifiable. Not without label. Not label this. But a label cannot define them. In fact, being beyond definition, beyond categorization, Arguably is the categorization. Morning.